Hey everybody, Zach here. If this is your first time listening to this episode and you're listening on release day, you should come to the Twitch at 7pm PST and check out a live stream of this episode along with some of the LUQDs from the Discord. I think it'll be a great time and I hope to see you there. Again, that's 7pm PST at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash stream so you can find a link to it at the LUQ.com. Greetings legend lovers and action addicts, and welcome back to the League of Ultimate Questing, where professional heroes put their lives on the line for your very own entertainment. My name is Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the next Enterprise. And with me in the mega booth is the shot of scotch to my gin fizz, retired League veteran, Stormclad Thundertongue. I can't quite put my finger on it, Kip, but today seems special somehow. I can just feel it in my thunder gut. Have you been eating wolf sausage for breakfast again? You know it gives you gas. Nah, nah. I'm on a wolferoni break. This seems like something cosmic, something significant. I'm curious. Maybe it is a special day. Is it some god's birthday? Has some great unseen wheel made another rotation? Just can't quite put my finger on it. Well, every day feels like a special event when we get to bring our fans more LUQ adventures. Unfortunately, we're having some trouble getting a good signal from the Mortal Dawn's monitor after a recent unscheduled plane shift, but we'll keep you up to date as more unfolds. In other League news, a number of hero-ranked teams, including the Mercurial Devils and Nine Point Star, are on a trial of seeking, hunting down the wanted criminal known as Uncle Midnight. Whoever brings this outlaw in alive gets a big payday. Ha! Wanted criminal. If stealing from bigwigs, fat cats, and major corporations help the less fortunate makes you a bad guy, I'll eat my sheath. I like his style. Seems like a real heist man. Damn, I love heists. But the name, Uncle Midnight, leaves kind of a nursery invasion taste in the mouth. Well, fan or not, the price on their head is high, and these teams are chomping at the bit to bring him to justice. Who will be the first to catch him in the act? Nine Point Star has my vote. They've been bringing their A-game this season, and got enough paint on the canvas to start seeing a picture. Something to be said for teams with an eye for clues and gray matter to put them together. These days, it's all dump stat combat crews trading think meat for beaten meat. Intelligence always suffers, Kip. Let's get back on the field to see what some of our other teams are up to while we check back in with Monitor 419 and see what comes to light. Prepare for adventure! You're quite certain that if you were looking through your normal eyes, this place would be too much to process. Everything is reflective, metallic, glistening and moving. But with your machine eyes, it seems fairly normal. The huge floating gears supporting massive mechanical structures that lock together at 90 degree angles. The constantly moving landscape rotating like the pieces of a clock, always fitting together perfectly as they click and turn. And the countless modrons that move in lines from one destination to the next. The air is filled with buzzing quadrons traveling in perfect sync, even as one occasionally diverts from the flow and soars upwards before exploding happily into information absorbed by the atmosphere. This is Ergo, some origin to be exact, the physical realm of this world. But the four of you are not as you once were. I would like for you to describe to me what your mechanical version looks like. Well, Arvid jumped through the portal first, so uh, he comes through and... We see him as kind of like a centaur form where his uh, furbolg body is on top and below is a thick sheep-like shape. The steel wool of his body arcing static electricity like Tesla coils 
and you can tell uh, his arm looks like it could extend to blades at the side, kind of like his parody axe, and up top, a hard metallic face and giant ram's horns. Awesome. It takes a second to recognize Harthax, because instead of their standard jet black scales, Harthax is a pristine, glistening white like plastic or enamel-painted metal with lines running across their body like circuitry, which glows with an internal darkness that starts at their eyes and crisscrosses their entire body. Their missing arm, rather than an organic root-like shape, is a bundle of disconnected filaments, which periodically twitch, writhe, plug themselves in higher up my arm, disconnect, and resume wriggling. Mm. I like that Harithax looks like he's an eye product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's and there's a, a ring on my back, which is dark. So what you see booting up before you first begins as a collection of these shapes, crystals that form starting with the, a head-like structure. Fiber optic cables begin pooling and cascading out, grabbing each of them, coalescing to a human form. In that... You see a prominent gem-like structure project towards a face. And this face is the perfect face of digital beauty. (laughs) Artyom's top half and bottom half are triangles, inverted. Obviously maintaining a roughly humanoid shape, but they connect together at the torso as a single pulsating light-emitting diode. The triangles themselves are a gradient from purple to red to yellow as his coat in both directions, with the brightest point being the center. His arms extend, and at the end of one is a very simple, clear, perfectly round, a circle whose perfection you couldn't even imagine in the form of a mirror. And on the other is a hand from which extends for a split second a spear of viral data that extends and retracts. And on his face, instead of his normal face, There are three points of light, three perfect light-emitting diodes, like goggles, and then a single light where his mouth would be. The Motor Dawn have been born. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! You have appeared on a road, connecting two of the giant gears that make a portion of the landscape here in some origin. Behind you, there is a line of monodrons, seeming to grow in size, the hundreds of them marching in a line that have paused patiently as you block their traffic. Their numbers seem to keep going on and on into the distance. The one in the front of the line looks up at you patiently, holding his little walking stick, clicking with anticipation. We have come in search of the entity known as Reginald 419. Traffic moves this way, he says, pointing forward. I think we're going to get a lot of this. (laughs) You realize now that Artyom's body doesn't have legs. Instead, the conical shape of his lower half in a perfect metallic chassis just ends and as he moves underneath it a light glows and he just sort of hovers as opposed to uh arvid with the giant piston sounds every time he moves his legs (laughs) beautiful traffic moves this way and a voice behind him says traffic moves this way traffic moves this way traffic moves this way going further back the line you can see like a kind of the most organized traffic jam you've ever seen forming behind them okay doppler (laughs) I, I, I guess we go that way. Uh, one foot, foot, foot. And you only see these like weird crystalline points at the end. 
I've always loved crystal points for legs. <laughs> just like move like an ice skater. Yeah. When you first started talking about like boots, I actually imagined that you just had cowboy boots and then the rest of you was data. Booting up. Yeah. Just, oh, that just, would have been so cool too. Garish cowboy boots yeah. and then data in the yeah. form of a body. It's a robot in boots. <laughs> Done. And as you say, I guess we go that way. The voice is like, of course you go that way. You would never go that way. Why would you go that way? That way. And you kind of get swept up in the traffic of the Madrons. In in every direction, uniform lines of them seem to march on endlessly. Some are massive and flat, and their many legs glide easily along the metal surfaces of the gears to ferry other Madrons from one platform to the next. At many intersections of their perpendicular roads, there are glowing sigils that seem to direct them to stop and go, as different directions of marching Madrons obey. You see many signs pointing in many directions. Lines of information, ones and zeros ever-changing, but your mechanical minds process the one that points to the Sertanian Athenaeum. The Sertanium hangs like a pendulum from a huge central gear, swaying back and forth like an inverted geometric castle on a set of hydraulic shafts. Information and lines of code floating through the air, only perceivable to beings of this place, seem to get pulled into the building and funnel into the top of the conical central tower. One of the many roads seems to lead right to it, a road with far less traffic. How the gravity functions as you step onto a new path facing straight upward bothers you for a moment, but then it seems perfectly logical. Larger madrons that look like clusters of quadrones connected by tubes move along the outside of the Anthenaeum, constantly polishing and perfecting the glistening metal walls. You arrive right as the pendulum swings to its lowest point and make your way onto the clanging metallic steps towards the entrance. A tall arched set of doors that seem to hold up a massive glass orb between them stands before you, and a huge blinking eye looks downward and studies the group. What is your purpose? Retrieval. Retrieval 419. Retrieval not scheduled. There there, there must be some uh, misunderstanding. The eye widens in panic at the word misunderstanding. It would be more logical for us to um, move forward. You know, to preempt the instruction. This is known now and will be known for all time. Enter. Chris, did you just change this place? I don't know. I didn't think that would work. The door swings open. Let us be careful with what we say. There are no white lies here. You enter a long corridor filled with monodrones moving in every direction, carrying out tasks, delivering parcels from one place to another taking down information, and several of them look up to you curiously, being very friendly in their demeanor. Greetings. What brings you to the Sertanium Anthenaeum? Preemptive instructions. Retrieve Reginald 419. There's a clicking sound. No information on Reginald 419 present. This must be high-level data. Indeed. Hmm. Proceed, and have a nice day. (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe that worked again. It is now a part of this world. This is a place of information. Oh, smart, smart, Artie. I'm very smart. From inside, you aren't even aware of the sensation of the swaying as the pendulum swings. The innermost chamber is almost conical. The walls are reflective metal covered in endless facets that resemble honeycombs. Inside each, tiny machines are clicking and whirring arms. They seem to pull information out of the air and use it to build another tiny machine, which moves to a facet of its own and begins working immediately. There is no sense of art or inspiration in the geography, but the craftsmanship is nonetheless beautiful. 
The center of the main chamber houses a very eye-catching device that stands almost 20 feet tall. An orrery of gold, a model of the planar map, moving and rotating on arms, spinning like the hands of a clock. The sound of clicking and processing is almost deafening, but as you get near the center of the main chamber, things seem to grow quiet. All eyes are upon you. We have two purposes. First, to preempt the order to reclaim Reginald 419 and to repair Christ. Repair? Look at yourself. And I hold up my mirror shield. And what you see in the reflection is you get a closer look at the crystal and it's cracked. And the projecting of the face seems to glitch out and and fade. But when it's stable, the face is still static. Some of the Madrons nearby look to the broken crystal and look to each other and say, Repairs are of a higher echelon than our data information inputs. Seek the witness! Seek the witness! Seek the witness! Voices echo throughout the chamber. And an object descends from the high rafters of the Sertanian Antheneum, casting a shadow from the soft, luminous bulbs over the planar orrery. A dull, almost calming alarm seems to emit from it, hardly disturbing the work of the countless automaton workers, but making its presence clear. You realize the object is alive, like most things here, with a massive glowing golden eye shining a ray of light down upon your group. The light seems to penetrate you and fill you with doubt. Ten more small golden eyes emerge from the body and extend outward on the tips of mechanical jointed tendrils. A mouth affixed with rows of serrated teeth opens to bark out the words of imminent authority. You are not meant to be here. Your designs are unknown to me. The witness sees all within the Antheneum, and our order will not be disturbed. Leave now. Your your orders aren't disturbed. It's preemptive scheduling. You'll know about it soon. The creature seems surprised that its words leave now didn't make you immediately turn your heels and exit. And it seems to be calculating and comprehending the reality of the situation. A level of insight foreign to the countless beings of this plane. This is a danger to the equation. Unknowns must be reduced to zero as its satellite eyes begin to hum with energy. <laughs> Let's roll initiative. Oh, no! I fucked it up! No, no, I, I don't think so. I think I don't think good. there's anything you could have said I, that would I have know. not upset him. That's a 22 from Artyom. Oh, that's a good high number. Mm-hmm. That's a 22 for Chris. Hey! Which one of your robots has the higher dexterity? Plus three. Plus three. Shoot. <laughs> I think you're both 16, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Who has the higher intelligence? 10. What's your intelligence? Oh, 14. Okay, because your robots, you process just slightly faster than Artyom. There you go. Okay. First dex, then int. Uh, Arvid? 17. Seven. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Artifacts? Four. I knew it. There it is. <laughs> There's the one. This ex- I have been re-listening to old episodes, and this exact same thing come up where these three just like fucking crushed it. Yeah. And then I knew I could count on good old shitty Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arth- good old shitty Michael. Artifacts is terrible rolls. Uh, live question. Do I have my Hara Specs ability, or does that not function here? There is no future seeing in the plane of logic. Okay. Nor is there luck. Yeah. Oh! So, you are in the center of a massive conical chamber. The walls are filled with honeycomb facets with tiny machines watching while working. There is a huge orrery of the planes spinning in the center of the floor, and hovering over it is a mechanical beholder known as the Witness, whose golden eyes are shining down on you. So the first to react is Krizzt. <laughs> 
from here, you can see the fiber optics that were once colorful and super glamorous go really frosty, as one might say. Mm. I'm going into a, uh, a super cool mode. Mm. And from there, you see the fiber optics of the hand turn into a crystalline scythe. Nice. Somehow I think reduce to zero means get deleted. Let's delete them first, huh? Affirmative. All right, so Christ charges forward and begins to clamor up the orrery. Please roll me a dexterity acrobatics. Dexterity acrobatics, cool. Ooh, natural 20. <laughs> All right. So despite the fact that you are made of these gems and wires and metal, uh, your body moves perfectly. And as limber as the day you were born, you effortlessly leap up from one planetoid, running up a bar to the next, and you are now standing just at the base of the witness. I will note that while you're standing in front of it, it seems to be emitting a strange energy from its eye that shoots outward in a cone surrounding everything just before it. You felt it when you felt that doubt enter your body. Most beholders have a cone of anti-magic, which would be absolutely ridiculous here. Mm -hmm. This creature has the eye of judgment. If you're standing in front of it in a 90-foot cone, you are under the effects of Bane. Ooh. And I haven't been afflicted by Bane yet, so can you refresh my memory? Anti-bless. If you're rolling an attack check, you're going to subtract a d4 from your d20. All right. Let's do a super cool scythe move. Please do. All right. That is a total of 20. Very nice. Yeah. That hits. Roll me that sweet digital scythe damage. Ooh. Did I get that right? Is that actually 19 damage? That sounds pretty good to me. Ooh. So your razor sharp crystalline blade, which is built into your arm, whooshes out and seems to cut through information itself. And one of the eye stalks falls and instead of crashing to the ground, dissolves into information and floats upward. That's so cool. <laughs> Next in the initiative is ARTM. Excellent. From the core of his body, his diode detaches mm. and immediately starts hovering a little awkward at first and then stabilizes as it becomes my combat drone, radiating outward with light. Awesome. As I'm doing that, I'm going to hustle around this idiot. And now that I'm some distance away, I'm going to get out of his little cone. Mm -hmm. As you step out, you feel this strange, like oppressive authority that it had over you minimize. Excellent. I'm going to launch a, basically a rod, a spike of corruptive viral data at him. That would be 16. Unfortunately, 16 is not quite enough. Ah, but I'm going to invoke my harmonic synergy, giving RTM another D6. Let's super cool this badass move. Aww. That's plus two. 18? That hits exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> my only question is, what does it sound like when Chris harmonic synergizes? The essence of who Artyom is, what he is, is in that diode, a pulsating beam of light. And as he vibrates and pulsates, Chris's harmonics synergize with it, creating a simultaneous glow and beat. Mm. It's like the sound activated LED lights. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be like a low, like one of those boots and pants things, like boots, <laughs> pants, boots. Too much? <laughs> no, I like it. So now that you've hit, go ahead and roll me your spear damage. Excellent. That is going to be 1d8 plus 1d6 acid. We'll call it viral damage. Okay. That is 9 plus 4. Excellent. The spear buries into the side of this floating beholder, 
before you hear a clicking sound and it whooshes and reattaches to your arm mechanically or magnetically pulled back. And then I'm just going to follow up with that uh, the attack that I get for my spiritual weapon. Yeah, drop that drone. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of a spiritual weapon drone. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Oh, that's no dice on me. I got a two unless we have our inspirations. Damn. That is okay. This beast has this glowing orb, this machine of light buzzing around in its face, causing some of the eyes to flinch and look away. Next up is ARVD. Yay. Okay. Uh. Augmented reality venereal disease. (laughs) (laughs) That's Arvid to a T. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Arvid's centaur form charges towards the witness, Pistons a pumpin'. And when he makes it up to the creature you hear a loud sound as his emergency brake sets on <laughs> abs kicks up yeah. um you're and... gonna tokyo goat drift into him <laughs> yes! <laughs> so much yes um, he, he he raises his arm and his mechanical manipulators sink back on that arm and the points of his monofilament axe come out mm. on either side so he makes a swing with that. Real quick, roll me a strength athletics as the goat is literally jumping up on top of these spinning golden orbs. That's freaking rad. Mm-hmm. 18? Very good. The, the massive weight of this mechanical ARVD literally crushes some of the planetoids under its hooves as you vault <laughs> upward, getting the full momentum of your charge. Excellent. See that axe? 15. And you are going to be subtracting D4s from these. It, it wasn't going to hit to begin with, but now it's uh, 13. 13 does not connect. And then we'll do the ram attack as the second attack. Perfect. Uh, and again, piston sounds and his little head just juts forward. <laughs> like a rock'em sock'em robot. <laughs> yes. Like a Pez. Just like, <laughs> yeah. That one's a 22. Please roll me the D4. 20. That connects. So go ahead and roll me your rammy dammy. So that roll is a six, making it a 12. And I believe I get a strength saving throw. Yeah. Ooh, I got a 23. So your hydraulic ram begins to push it back, but it's floating. The gravity that holds it in place keeps it from getting knocked away like some soccer ball. (laughs) That makes it the witness's turn. One of its eyes is going to crane downward and level to Artyom. This eye is going to fire an energy beam at you. I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. I'm going to give myself advantage by activating my vibrant shield. That is a 16. A 16 is the DC. (laughs) So you only take 15 points of electric damage or lightning damage, as it were. Hot dang. The next eye is going to aim at Christ's Grand, having just sliced off one of its stalks. And it's going to fire at you... It's gravity ray. I need you to make me a strength saving throw. All right. That's a six. That's okay. Mm. You feel it take control of you with this kind of telekinetic energy, and it flings you backwards into Haruthax or Haru THX. <laughs> Haru THX does a 19 hit your armor class. It does. All right. So you're both going to take some damage from this one as you get flung backwards like a projectile weapon. Uh, you both take 13 bludgeoning damage. Ow. You are ah. flung from the top of the orrery and slam into your robotic dragon friend. The last action is going to be its rotary teeth burying into the massive quadrupedal form of ARVD. Uh, 19 to hit. Ack. Mm. 
you hear the sound of like a chainsaw kicking on as the <laughs> teeth begin to rotate at a very alarming speed. That's some good damage right there. Uh, 26 slashing damage. Ooh. I was really hoping he was going to say good damage and then three. <laughs> I was hoping it was a sarcastic good. And a voice and alarm just keeps emitting from this thing saying, reduce to zero, reduce to zero. Haruthax, Haru THX. Lying on the ground, Haru THX's arm is going to, the filaments of my arm are just going to plunge into the ground. Mm. And like a 3D printer, it's just going to my shillelagh up out of the ground, which Mm. I'm going to grab and stand up. And then I'm going to spit. Can I spit acid without hitting an ally from here? Yeah, it's up in the air. So you have a clear shot. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to move. I'll move like 15 feet because I stood up. It takes half. Kind of pivoting around so that we're not grouped. Uh, and then I'll blast it with acid. So Very good. What do I? Uh, how do I respond to that? Dex save. Dex save from the witness. I declare. That's not the best roll I've ever rolled. Five. Uh, that will be a fail. And it will take... All right. That's better damage than I usually roll on d6s. I'm really tempted while we're here to just use average damage for everything. <laughs> <laughs> 10, 13, 14 uh, acid damage. Very good. So you reveal a polished veneer underneath the coating of metal on its outside as part of its exoskeleton starts to melt away. Cool. And then I roll to see if it recharges. It does not. So the battle grows fierce in the Sertanian Anthenaeum between the Motor Dawn and the mechanical beholder known as the Witness. The fate of their friend and ally, Reginald 419, resting in the balance. Damn this signal. I can feel myself missing out. Come on. The MD's coolest crap happens off cam. All the real worm belly stuff. Sad but true. As rarely as we encounter issues with our league monitors, they can happen. Never been a big fan. Walk around for years with a flying footlocker aimed at your skull and the ability to personify anything starts slipping. Try to be friendly or crack a joke and they just hang there, quiet and condescending like modern art. Some teams make the mistake of trying to befriend their regiment, forgetting that they are bound to their objective. Monitor their adventures, remain unseen, and communicate with the team on behalf of the League. They're all business, to a fault. No kidding. Old 2-5 was constructed with a standard issue three-quarter inch titanium rod firmly inserted in the rear quadrant. And let me tell you, not a fan of stickers, no matter how cute they were. Try to give a guy the favor of a mustache and you don't even get a rise out of him. Just peels off the punchline and keeps buzzing. I wonder what he's up to these days. After Reginald has finished monitoring for a team, they usually return to Ergo to be restructured and refreshed, and emerge shiny and new, ready to be entrusted to a new team. Damn, that's deep. A little grim. After I kick the bucket, am I going to be ground up into a celestial storm burger, rebuilt into a baby in some other world? I mean, as far as spiritual journeys go, that's pretty thrifty. I can respect it. And speaking of magical journeys, let's take a look at some ads from this week's sponsors. Stay tuned for more LUQ. Hey there, uh, Bonrick Axebreaker here. Uh, it's been a pretty exciting day for yours truly on account of today as our 100th episode of Gitter Dungeon. In honor of this stupendous milestone, I thought it'd be a real kick in the old Kool-Aid to talk about my top three favorite dungeons that we've had on the show. Uh, so without any further chinwagging, uh, let's uh, take a trip down the halls of fond memories. Number three is the Duskfang Gallery. Uh, this locale was once used as a kind of historic museum and art exhibit for all things infernal and black magic adjacent. 
where once these dark marbled floors were filled with lecterns of forbidden lore and scriptures of the seven masters of hell, they're now a reinvented stronghold protected by a large clan of bugbears that moved in after a holy insurgent cleared out the previous owners. Now, while these big goblins don't really have the same keen eye for art or history that their predecessors were known for, uh, they do know how to mount a strong defense and sharpen sacred artifacts and use them as pointy stuff in the bottom of a pit. Number two is the Galmaris Barrows, a series of subterranean crypts used to house the dead Nimari centuries ago. And the new landlords, a very powerful necromancer and former chair on the Black Tower's Andesian Council. Now, most undead crypts are pretty scary and not a safe place to go, but uh, this fella keeps her in tip-top shape with the use of his tireless skeletal maid service. And being a bit of an extrovert, he has no problem allowing guests to come and visit him so long as they don't meddle in his magical whatnots and try to abscond with his coin collection. And <laughs> nothing beats a dungeon that puts out a welcome mat. Now, my number one dungeon of the last 100 episodes will probably spark a little controversy, so I just want to reiterate, these are just my opinions. I'm just a simple dwarf who loves dungeons. So coming in at number one, we have the Maze of Cognizance. Uh, you may be saying, well, Bonerick, is that a real dungeon if it all takes place inside of your mind when you gaze too deeply into the Halcyon Mirror? Well, my reply is thus. There's no harder wall to scale than the walls of self-doubt. There's no deadlier trap to get consumed by than the bottomless pit of emotion. And there's no greater treasure to uncover than the self-awareness of what really matters to you. You fans of the show are what matters to me. And I uh, wouldn't be able to be exploring dungeons and bringing you along without your support, so thanks from the bottom of my heart. And hopefully I'll see you all when we hit episode 200 as well of Get a Dungeon, right here on the Nexus Enterprise. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome LUQDs to our 100th episode. It blows my damn mind that we've come this far. Nearly two years of work and love and pain and joy. Every one of you listening has been a part of this journey. Whether you're listening release day, this January 11th, 2021, or years from now, this content is for you. Many people support us, and I want to thank those people in particular. To our Patreon subscribers, from novice to patron and beyond, you have our deepest thanks. The Unbroken Form, the Moonlight Veil, the Oathsworn, the Ancestor's Fury, the Cultured Cutthroats, the Iron Rhapsody, the Tavern Brawlers, the Cursed Spawn. You are all our heroes, and the love and support you have shown cannot be measured, but it can be rewarded. Our content contest winners are in. We had some excellent submissions, which can be found on the LUQ.com, and it was a hard choice, but the cast voted along with Isaac Davies, who sponsored the contest, and we have our winners. In third place, for $20 in LUQ merch, we have Sean Klitcher, better known as Witchy Teacup on the Discord, with a handmade Harifax plushie that warmed our hearts to no end. 
In second place, for 40 of that good merch, is Iziboshi, with a wool-felt creation of one of my favorite NPCs, Lord Enoki. I absolutely love this one. And in first place, we have a very special treat. Zelody, who worked with Zan Cam in creating the song For the Dawn, the Ballad of Archambolkov, has released another hit. Come what may, the Ballad of Chris Zagrand moved us all deeply, and we could not be happier to follow up this 100th mid-roll break with something so beautiful. Thank you, Zelody, and thank all of you who submitted work to this contest. The winners can reach out to us by email for details. In honor of this milestone, and by request of some of the fans, we've made a 100th episode hashtag every fucking Monday t-shirt that can be found on our merch store through the LUQ.com. If you're into that kind of thing, use the promo code LUQ100 for free shipping through February 9th. There's a lot of other news, but that can wait until next week. I don't want to bog this episode down with too much mid-roll garbage. So, without further ado, here is the Ballad of Chris Zagrand. All I knew was hurt, hunger and pain. I was suffocating under shade. The darkness grew inside me and turned my future black. The fear had kept me paralyzed. My heart was all but crystallized. A fractured soul, a hollow host, until I broke my mold Making noise and making waves With thunderous steps my choice was made Walked away from all my pain And found this paradise You see how I'm shattered now But you won't turn away My broken shards can't be your hearts in this together come what may though I'm free it haunts me still innocence was lost in selfish will I'll try to change direction and march on to the dark speak healing words to right what's wrong I'll rescue you with lustrous song New hope will shine inside my eyes My heart fills with your light Making noise and making waves With thunderous steps my choice was made Walked away from Stay. I'll face my fight with open eyes. 
Top of the initiative, we return to Krizd. Krizd. Time for you to go down a grade. Uh, and with that, I'm going to release to what is called a sonic blast. Mm. I'm going to release it above him. Okay. Trying to get all of them extra socks. Let's blow them off. Socks? Stocks? <laughs> socks? Let's blow them sockets off. Going to knock his stocks oh off? Oh my god, that works into me. Love. Time to crash the stock market. <laughs> 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 This is killing Zach so deeply. I apologize for I mean, nothing. These are good puns. I don't, I don't hate good puns. Just... just Michael's puns. So hit me with that sonic blast. What are we doing? You have to make a constitution saving throw. I believe it disadvantage. Because it is a construct. Yes. As are you. Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> Rolled an eight. Yes. No, wait. It has a plus four more. Twelve. That, my uh, DC is 16. Uh, Let's do that sweet 68 damage. Woof. Yeah. To be clear, that is 6d8 and not 68. I wish it was 68 damage. That'd be amazing. Be a hell of a roll on 6d8. That is, oh, there we go. Ah, that is 18. Impressively below average. (laughs) That is so bad. (laughs) That's a Michael roll for damage. That was like three ones. The air in the top of this conical chamber is filled with some of these glowing orbs that are illuminating things, several of which explode, dimming the lights in the room casting most of you in a darkness that you manage to see through fairly normally. The only lights are emitting from the eye of the witness at this time. Let's see if my abilities recharge. It does! Ooh! Woo! Lucky D6-y. Bringing D6-y back. Mm. Anything else for Krizd? Uh, no. That brings us to ARTM. Beautiful. Well, AR Trademark is going to go ahead <laughs> and he notices something very important. Among the small devices and random pieces that are in this room that got destroyed in his attempt to shatter this creature, uh, among them was the heat regulator. Mm. And he's going to take advantage. Ah. The first thing he does is he takes a single geographical point in space and through completely abstract thought, divides by zero in that space, creating an environment (laughs) wherein reality doesn't quite make any sense functionally creating a micro-sized Big Bang of explosive heat and energy. Excellent. He releases his thermal blast. Awesome. Given birth to a tiny universe. Exactly. Blurp. Can we get a chef's kiss for that? <laughs> I, I kind of did, but you couldn't hear it. <laughs> trying not to like Quick. blast fully into the mic. Quick memes. Um, RTM. We need to be careful what we do here. Also, RTM divides by zero. Creates <laughs> <in the> <laughs> pocket universe of destruction. Oh. Beautiful. <laughs> 
So that is a DC 16 uh, dexterity throw for that cool fool. He is cool. Thank you. Oh, my saving throws are really on point. I got a four. Oh, Ooh. I'm going to borrow this. Mm-hmm. Does this make Artyom the god of this universe he's creating? <laughs> you can flavor your spells all you want. <laughs> I love it. So we've got eight D6 fire damage coming at this bad boy. 16. 26. Excellent. So, for a moment, you do, in fact, create a tiny pocket dimension of chaos, but its only purpose is to destroy itself. (laughs) And in doing so, it takes a chunk of the witness with it. Several metal plates fall to the ground, and you see some of the wires and energy cores underneath humming. Beautiful. Parts of it are just ever so melted. I'm going to go ahead and see if I recharge that. I do, with a six. Nice. Would you like to attack with your drone? I would indeed. You're going to come down hard on him. Just It's literally just going to be explosion of an entire universe and then a bonk as the <laughs> LED comes down on his head. Not awesome. That's a 7 plus 8. 15. 15 does not hit, unfortunately. I'm not let's, shocked. Let's go ahead and add a d6. No fooling? Yeah. That is 16. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and add another d6. You can do that. Hey, that's 19. <laughs> that <Yay>! hits. <laughs> It only took you a numeral between 2 and 12 to get that 15 up to a 19. <laughs> Roll me that sweet drone damage. Gonna. Uh, let's see here. Get her drone. <laughs> Weak ass shit. God damn it. <laughs> I'm just the dog shit in this rolls. That is 6 plus 4. So that's 10. But, but, that's up. but uh, with the help of my harmonic synergy... The extra sonic impact does an additional four damage. Ooh. The bonk really resonates outward. Yeah. It's, a, it's a perfect pitched you're, bonk. You're dropping the bonk bass? I don't... How are we going to... Never mind. We're, we're getting silly. Yeah. And I love it. At the risk at the risk of the party. Law, does this Beholder have legendary actions that it's not taking? No. Okay. I don't hate you that much. Okay. That brings us to ARVD. Uh, well, that last chainsawing of my sweet metal bod <laughs> definitely put some some rage into me so uh rv arvd is going to have a power surge this is a it, it, it's basically rage yep and uh <laughs> but robot rage <laughs> yeah robot rage yeah it's r4g3 r4vg R4 don't, 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 don't worry G3. about it don't acknowledge let's it not ever. try to spell rage in leet speak okay <laughs> so yeah there it is it's a rage and now <laughs> uploading rage rage uploaded uh, and now we'll make a full out attack actually just starts printing the forms for rage just out of her butt just <laughs> please sign the rage eula <laughs> so one attack was uh, 23 to hit that's a big hit Woo! and the other one was 15 let's go ahead and uh, synergize them harmonics Get another D6 on that. 18. That hits. Woo! (laughs) These ones are both 2D8 plus 6. Per attack, yes. 20 damage for the first one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, total of 40 damage then. Phenomenal. Badass. I dare say quite good. Yeah. The witness is not so much floating with great confidence so much as weakly hovering and attempting to hold itself together as many of the pieces are beginning to fall away. The eye stocks are shooting sparks out and its alarm is beginning to sound kind of like a broken, like, 
<laughs> like an air horn that's been dented. A dying accordion. The weak ass klaxon. Goddamn. <laughs> it's going to once again continue chomping into Arbit. It's not even letting go. It's just kind of letting its rotary teeth dig in like a phone from hell. <laughs> that's going to be a big hit on Arvid. But now I have the resistance. Is that the same as having it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good thing, too. That's even better damage than last time. Woo. Halved to 17. Woo. That's some damage. Woo. With another ray, it's going to fire out towards Crist. I need Crist to make me a DC question mark constitution saving throw. Oh, boy. As it fires its immolation ray at you. All right. Now, uh, this will not activate my vibronic emissions. Oh, it will. Ooh, I didn't use that last time. Feel, feel free now. Oh, uh, that's a six. <laughs> that's a fail. Oh. Wow. 24 fire damage. Ooh. As you begin to overheat and smolder, some of your wires fraying and the rubber that protects them burning away. I would like to activate my vibronic emissions mm-hmm. by taking some of that thermal energy and sending back a harmonic cold slice right at him. How much does that deal? That is 2d6. Hit me. Seven. Got it. You strike it and you can feel the teeth digging into your body. Arvid's starting to like slow down like the motor is is overheating. Ah. Refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, less teeth. <laughs> ah. This is like a nice ice cold glass of less ah. teeth in my goddamn body. <laughs> I'm, I'm always a fan of less teeth. <laughs> And then the last ray is going to fire at Artyom, who just dropped a small universe on him. <laughs> um, this, vibrant shield. <laughs> uh, this one is a constitution saving throw. I will, in fact, activate vibrant shield to get an advantage on a saving throw. Sweet. It's a good ability. Very good. 11 and 12, uh, but the 12 is plus 6, so 18. 18 does make it. Nice. Uh, you feel like it's trying to take over your operation system. Um, it feels like you're starting to be powered down and paralyzed, but <laughs> you resiliently fight back and counter hack him. <laughs> he does not get in. <laughs> Artyom's pretty fucking late. Yeah. And that brings us to Harithax. The creature is falling apart. The alarm is fading and the Modron seem to be backing away to every corner of this round room. Okay. The irony is intentional. Did you say it? it's um, pretty dark in here now? So yes. Chris shattered all the lights? Okay. Uh, Harithax is going to come running up the orrery and as they're moving they're, it almost looks like I've got like blink where like a strobe light is going off just mm. I disappear I reappear I disappear I reappear as I'm moving mm. and then I'm just going to plunge my wires into it and make a energy consumption attack Ooh. against Ooh. it sweet please do as I try and just plug in and drain the last of its reserves why am I using this die? Uh, it's a 10. Time to unzip this data dump. I'm going to give him my last two. Uh, <laughs> laugh it up. I don't care. I love this. I'm going to give you my last two uh, pieces of harmonics energy. I hope you All succeed. Right. I need you to roll at least a six on 2d6. Uh, don't I need an eight? Oh, yeah. You do need Yeah, eight. I need an oh. eight. I have to roll slightly above average. Is there an ability that our tongue has that when you get within 10 feet of him? Yeah, actually, uh, any enemy, any person within 20 feet of me uh, adds 1d4 to attack rolls. Am I in its cone? No, it's okay. busted. Oh, good. So there's my d4. Also a one. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, that's so good. The good news is, though, now I only have to roll seven on 2d6, which is the average of 2d6. 
Just don't roll below average. If anyone can't do it, it's you. That's five. Oh Are my! Which makes it sixteen total. As you swing in with your final blow, this thing's exoskeleton and armor plating has all been melted, blasted, droned, and vibrated away, and its armor class has reduced dramatically. So you do, in fact, connect with a sixteen. Oh, that's fortunate. All right, it has yeah. a it has a blade of plating. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally all natural armor, and narratively, that shit is gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Five, seven, ten, sixteen. Uh, necrotic damage. More, more than enough. Well, then the wires just plunge into its eye, and you just watch as whatever energy remains powering it just gets sucked out, and the wires pulse as this thing just powers down and collapses. Thank God I bonked it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Synergistic bonking, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for the um, assists. Plural. <laughs> you still technically failed. <laughs> it's true. So you literally download the last of its life force into your wire claw. And there's a loud crashing sound as the metal body slams into the orrery, all energy leaving it. And as the remains of the witness crackle and smolder on the floor of the Sertanian chamber, its pieces begin to dissolve into data that drifts upward and is instantly collected. And a voice echoes out through the chamber. You have complicated our equations by coming here. For the sake of stability, I beg you to now stop. Outsiders, let us speak and realign ourselves. And a small figure exits from a small doorway near the base of the orrery. He's roughly a foot tall and hovers a few inches off of the ground. His base is shaped like a small top, and his forearms are strangely long for his size. He folds his hand before himself as his tiny red robes brush along the ground. His body is a rich bronze, and his head is a floating sphere, surrounded by a row of eyes that seems to constantly spin and stabilize. I am the high reasoner of this plane. My designation is Andrew 10101. You have shown us your strength is greater than or equal to our witness. We have learned much from this transaction. The next one will be much more capable. But now let us solve this problem another way. Speak, unknowns. Become known to us. The purpose of information is to be processed and understood. We are the understanders. We are the thinkers. You are not from Ergo. You are, indeed, outsiders from a great distance, correct? Yes. Why have you come here, to our world, adding your unknowns to our equations? You've taken something important to us. An important variable, you could say. Explain. Reginald 419. We hit your Reginald 419's axiomatic core is malfunctioning. He's functioning perfectly. The Madrons are held together by their axiomatic core. If it continues to destabilize, he will be destroyed. Sounds like you're going to destroy him either way. We are going to reset him to his natural self. And yet what you intend to do is take away the information that makes him who he is. You claim that you are a place of information, and yet you think that this is not going to kill him? We are simply stabilizing the equation at a cost. At the cost of him. Correct. The cost is way too, way too high. Far too great. He is beginning to operate outside of the parameters of his instructions. He is operating entirely within the parameters of his instructions. He's been the perfect model of a friend. Don't change him. He was not sent to Zarna to become a friend. He was sent to monitor under the rules of the League. Well, he did become a friend, and now you cannot take him from us. And he has continued to monitor us even during his malfunction. And in fact, his intent is to monitor for the purposes of entertainment. The more he understands about our intimacies, about our personalities, about our way of life, the better he is able to monitor in a way that is appealing to watch. Mm. 
The consideration of performing outside of his parameters for equality of the viewer is not considered to us, but could be. Let us think on this for a moment. Reginald 419. He speaks into existence, and Reginald 419 appears before you. He's kind of rubbing his arm awkwardly like he's embarrassed. He says, Boy, what a mess I've gotten us all into. No, no you didn't. I'm pretty sure if I keep operating the way I am, I will be destroyed from the inside because of my axiomatic core. It's like a power source to me. Sounds like you'll be destroyed either way. But how do you want to live? It seems I have a few options. Perhaps my friends could help me choose. I could return with you to Los Anilli and operate until my core destroys me. I could be reset to zero and once again be your monitor. And there is a chance through your proximity and influence I will return to the way I was. The odds of this are roughly one in 11,000. Or I could have my axiomatic core removed and no longer be a modron, but perhaps maintain my position as your monitor, unable to return home to my people. As long as some of us keep our damn mouths shut. Look, <laughs> looking at you, 503. <laughs> I swear to Primus, if you spill the beans, I'll have my friends mess this place up real sick house. <laughs> Capacity for chaos is unrivaled in any realm I have ever visited. <laughs> oh, Castiel. Andrew 10101 speaks up and says, If this Reginald is willing to remove his core and no longer become part of our equation, his actions will be his own, and it would be illogical for us to try to monitor him. It is up to your world whether or not he can keep his job. That's not my business. We have fulfilled our end of the contract. Whether he keeps his job or not, he will have a place. Agreed. Hmm. Well, okie dokie then. That seems all right with me. Thank you for helping us beta test this new version of The Witness. The next one will be super able to kick your ass. <laughs> so don't come back and mess our shit up. Don't make us. Reginald 419, I will now take your axiomatic core. You are no longer one of the Modron race. What you are now is not yet defined. Have fun defining it. And uh, there is a flash of light as Reginald begins to float in the air and Andrew 10101 begins speaking in ones and zeros in code. And it seems like a light is draining from Reginald's eyes as a simple machine part falls out of his ass. (laughs) (laughs) It glows for a moment like an orb of pure energy and then it once again dissipates into information. And Reginald's studying his hands, says... Hmm. Seems like I can still do most of what I used to, but, um, wow, you live like this all the time. This totally sucks. <laughs> you get used to it. Everything's confusing. I keep having to make decisions. I'm making one right now. The things I'm saying are a decision I'm making right now, and I hate it. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> relatable. <laughs> yes, you get used to it. I'm going to get us out of here, okay? If you can. Yes, please. Once again. My internal cavity is a pocket dimension, and I can shift planes. No problem. Climb aboard, y'all. <laughs> and uh, Reginald creates the sphere of light on the ground as his eye projects it. And you can all be swallowed up, Pokeball-like, into his, yes! into his eye. And with great ease, uh, you reappear in a flash, strangely on the roof of the Lounge of Ultimate Questing. The sun is set, and a golden moon hangs over the quiet port of Lucinelli. You once again draw breath into living bodies. You see Maven standing alone, facing northwest. A bottle of wine hangs half full in his hand. Two more rest empty against the lip of the rooftop. His coat is folded neatly on the ground. (sighs) 
Something big is happening. Something very big. Nexus has been working on something. A device. Hovering miles over Canaris. Probably the most expensive device ever constructed with coins in this world. They're boosting the signal. Not just to Mackinar, but to other planes. They're trying to expand. It's all happening so fast. It won't be long now. To what? I told you some time ago, he says just looking off to the northwest, that we would have a very serious talk, and that I would answer some questions you've had for some time. He turns to face you, revealing under starlight the blood stain spread across the front of his fine silk shirt, the two crossbow bolts sticking out of him, moving up and down with labored breaths. That time is drawing very near, and when it comes, I beg that you forgive me. Hey, great job today, Storm. I feel like we really connected with our audience. Thanks, Kip. That was a pretty good broadcast. No weird guests, nobody got injured, no surprises. Just good old-fashioned hosting. <laughs> I feel great. It was pretty chill now that you mention it. I don't know. I kind of like it when it gets weird, you know? Keeps things exciting. Well, Storm, I have no doubt that that's your cup of tea, but my flavor is smooth sailing. Keeps the bosses happy and keeps the ratings consistent. Oh, yeah. Gotta polish the brass. Well, if it makes you this happy, I'll try to tighten up my curveballs since, you know, it's almost always me ensuing the jinx, high or low. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, that means a lot. Okay, I hope you know I'm always looking out for you. Speaking of bosses, Commissioner Lurie, what brings you here in the men's room? Storm, I need to have a word with Mr. Killigan. Would you give us a moment? Yeah. I've had enough of this absurdity sandwich anyway. I can handle Kip changing into an identical black suit like a stuffy cartoon character, but something about the commish walking through the crap cathedral to stare me down in the powder room is just a bit too steep a juxtaposition for me. I think I'll hit a museum. Roll me up a critical analysis. Thank you, Storm. Matt, Miss Lurie. Well, hello, Commissioner. Uh, well, what can I do for you? Anytime those two are in the same room, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Narrating to ground myself kind of jeebies. I'm going to figure out what's going on there someday. But until then, I think Uncle Midnight's going to appreciate a few private collections. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the 100th episode. Excuse me. I think it's episode 0100. Get your binary shit out of here. I don't actually know what 100 is in binary. Yeah, but anyway. Episode 100. We did it. Triple digits of emotion. You are all the reason that this is possible. You listening right now, you're the reason we're making episode 100. Um, those of you who learn from friends, you can do the same. You have the power to share this with people that you care about or even people that you hate that you want to listen to good podcasts. <laughs> Our fan base has grown a ton. We're super grateful to all of you. You can get all of the information at the LUQ.com, all of our social media. We're posting some real fat memes lately. Um, we're going to be sharing some more content. There's extra maps and stuff coming out on our Patreon if you want to join that as well as access to special character sheets, mon monster stat blocks, magic items, and of course, joining the Patreon. And yes, we will post the uh, stat blocks of the Motor Dawn <laughs> so you can all experience them and play with them in your own games. 
We have some great new merch on the website as well. I'm wearing my Mortal Dawn hoodie right now and it's extra soft. But honestly, it's I'm just fucking flabbergasted by all of this. And I need to thank the following people for that. Sam, playing Arvid Ulfament or this episode ARVD. Sam the Ram. Whoa, mm. Black Betty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So emphatic. <laughs> <laughs> you dishonor Ram Jam with your weak sauce. Zach, Zach has reached his capacity for references and puns. <laughs> uh, I'm Michael Loving. Uh, this episode, I played H4RU-THX. Uh, normally, I play Harithax, the Dragonborn Warlock. Hi, I'm Alante. In this episode, I play Greets. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, and other times, I play Krista Graham, the crystalline sorcerer and creation bard. I'm Zach Barkus. This episode, I played AR-TM. The sunlight program, I guess. <laughs> the robot program to suffer. <laughs> oh, no, my no, no. God. My roles were programmed to suffer. <laughs> yeah. um, I am also the, I guess, executive fancy boy producer, editor man of the Slapdash Studios. And my name is Law. I am the dungeon master of the League of Ultimate Questing and creative director of Slapdash Studios. And two things to end on. One, I definitely had a robot stat block for Morty if you wanted to come. <laughs> Aww. What was Morty's robot name? Uh, I think it was just Morty with a zero. Okay. <laughs> or it ended with a T. It was M-O-R-T. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is when we return, everyone will gain a level. Ooh, Ooh. shit. Yay. Ooh. That makes us level 10? 10. 10. <gasps> Possibilities. And again, that's all possible because you've all been growing and questing with us. And until next time, we wish you luck. Yeah.